Hello, Internet peeps. Welcome to another edition of Big Trouble Little Podcast, episode 120. I'm Joe Dubs. I'm Andy. I'm Zach. And we are here again with the fans picked uh, Star Trek The Next Generation episodes, which is Tin Man and the Masterpiece Society. But before we get into that, guys, what the hell have you been watching, playing, or doing? I'll go first because... I was planning to play games, but uh, I wanted to watch movies this week, weekend, uh, and I watched two Keanu Reeves, actually three Keanu Reeves movies, uh, two with my friends on Discord, we did a little streaming get-together, and we watched The Matrix, and we watched Johnny Monomic, uh, I don't know if I said that right, uh, I just want to yeah, I just want to say, Cyber Dolphin, the fuck? That's so funny. Um, I, I I like Keanu Reeves, and then I watched Scanner Darkly, uh, which oh yeah, that was like that animated drawn shit that was uh, it's rotoscope technically. Yeah, and it was really good. I forgot. Um, that's when Keanu was like in his heyday, kind of. Uh, when... I think he's getting back to another one now. Mm-hmm. I was John I was Wick. hoping you were gonna say I watched John Wick, John Wick Two, and John Wick Three. Uh, that's, that's probably down the road. Uh, I'm waiting for it to hit Amazon Prime. So even though, even though I rented these two movies, <laughs> cause I was like, fuck it. Let's just rent movies and watch it on discord. But yeah. But that's all I've been, uh, doing. Andy, what about you? Um, uh, super Mario 3d all-stars came out for us Friday, Saturday, Friday, whenever it was. Since then, I've been playing, I've been carrying my Switch around. I've been playing a ton of Mario 64. I've played the hell out of Mario 64 when I was a kid, so it hasn't been, like, I know how to get most of the stars, so I'm kind of blowing right through it. Mm. But I don't know. I just really wanted to play Mario 64. After that, I'm going to play Sunshine, which I've actually never played, so it'll actually be, you know, what the fuck do I do? Um, I didn't watch much except, you know, Star Trek and uh, did I had I finished Cobra Kai when we recorded last week? I can't remember. Uh, if not, I finished. I'm done with Cobra Kai. I don't think you did finish. I think you watched season one. Okay, well I'm done with it because uh, that show was great and I loved it. I blew right through it. Um, and then besides that, I've been watching a bunch of. Uh, I've seen most of his videos, but I'm rewatching them anyway. I watched a bunch of uh, Wang on YouTube, Justin Wang, <laughs> and I uh, watched some Community and whatever. And I'm still like, uh, we recorded. Uh, Death Stranding, the Death Stranding episode, which is now available for listen, but it's like, you know, it's long as hell, so know what you're getting into. But I'm still like, I'm still very much in, uh, I'm still very much <laughs> in Death Stranding, uh, Death Stranding mood. I got the art book, but sadly, it's not, um, it's not, there's not a lot of like, <sighs> art no i'm kidding <laughs> no I'm talking, that's the problem it's just art and like every page is always just like on this page designs for sam on this page early designs for mule or whatever and that's cool but i was hoping there was more like the thought process that went into it um interviews with like kojima or shankawa or something like that but you know it's still awesome i'm still really enjoying looking through it and the art is outstanding which mm. it always is for a kojima game but I wanted a little more like insight on like this is why we did this. This is this started out as this and became this. You know what I uh when Metal Gear Solid 4 came out, there was a podcast with Hideo Kojima, but it was like uh he had an English translator. I think his name was Ryan Patton or something like that. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting because you got like inside 
brain of like Hideo Kojima. Or... Is that the one? It was kind of like a developer commentary because you could listen to it on the iPod in the game. Yeah, but it was also yeah. released before the game came out, kind of thing. Yeah. Okay. I I, I wish he kind of did something with that with Death Stranding, but then again, he's working on three projects now, so who who the fuck cares? <laughs> I guess I I still there's still a lot of, I I like if I like got the chance to ask him some questions they would mostly be death straining centric at this point i guess yeah, and I also a bunch of stuff about what he and he or he and uh del toro were cooking up for silent hills but it, besides yeah i think if we fielded him questions about metal gear he'd probably get angry so i would never do that <laughs> I, metal gear is over explained if anything mm -hmm. anything else or that's it that's kind of it i only watched like you know real basic stuff and i just played a ton of mario i played a little bit of warrior land 4 but honestly after uh 3d all-stars turned up i've just been playing that i love the music playing mode that's 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 a real hoot but it's been, mostly been mario 64 it'll be sunshine once i beat it which i'm really close i need like four stars and then i can go beat bowser a third time i'm actually debating getting it because it just went back on amazon because before it launched it, there was it was sold out, and I was like, fuck, it's Nintendo doing Nintendo again. And then all of a sudden... Nah, it's coming back. Yeah. So I'll probably get it next paycheck, or possibly soon. Who knows? But I think I think people thought, oh, no, it's going to be super rare. I'd better buy a bunch. But I, when I got groceries uh, Saturday or whenever that was, it was just on the shelf at Walmart. Like, you, you can just buy it. Nice. Zach, what about you? What have you been playing, doing, watching? Um... I've been celebrating Halloween early, uh, as I usually do. So usually in September, I start watching horror movies and playing horror games a lot. Mm -hmm. uh, I watched uh, Don't Be Afraid of the Dark, the 2010 version. Okay. Um, that It's a remake of a, an on-TV movie from, like, 1973. It's one of Guillermo del Toro's, like, early influences in film, I think. Huh. He produced this movie, though. Uh, it was okay. It was all right. Um, and then I, I watched uh, Malicious. And that was not as good. Again, it's just kind of okay. Mm. And I watched uh, The Grudge from 2004. Uh, I've never seen any of these movies. Really and all three of them were just kind of okay on the baseline. Don't free, don't be afraid of the dark was probably the best one. It's a slow start. Slow start. Slow start. start. Not on to a strong start right now for horror movies. That's okay, though. I expect that. In general, for horror movies, I kind of expect about meh on most horror movies. Huh. So it's just in general, it seems to be a genre that doesn't produce very good movies often, in my opinion. Is The Grudge really 2004? It's been that well, the, uh, the the remake, the American remake of it is the first one, yes. And then they just got done shoving out a new one this Ugh. year. Ugh. And apparently a lot of people hate it. Good. So, yeah. Um, I also read, I'm still reading Batman Judge Dredd. I finished the second book. Nice. Um, and I'm reading the third one now, and I'm about halfway through it. Uh, these books are... There's not a lot of substance to them. It's really just an excuse to have Batman and Judge Dredd be in a book together. Like so far after reading two of them. <laughs> Any excuse is enough for me. So it's 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 cool. I got a question. Uh because yeah. you know before like Judge Dredd was like went on his own and stuff, he was all about you know the way of life of you know being a Judge Dredd and all that. 
being a judge, Dread. Yeah, being a whatever judge. Uh, being a judge, yeah. yeah. Um, so how does Batman and him converse? Is it more of like Batman being like, you can't des- decide the people's faith or something like that? Uh, but he's the law. Yeah. He's the law. Batman respects the law, right? How does that go down? Well, yeah. So uh, when they first meet, it's not like under any kind of like real good circumstances. It's played more for like all these these heroes. Or uh, honestly, I would call Judge Dredd probably an anti-hero. Yeah. Uh, sure. He shoots guys a lot, and he's the law. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, whereas I would call Batman a hero, but um, they meet up. Uh, under not so great circumstances, it actually is Judge Dredd attempting to arrest him because he's a vigilante and that's against the law. <laughs> nice. So yeah, and then they fight over that constantly. So really, they're they're usually at odds with each other. That's good. I want to uh, read it. They end up working together though. Like in the second book, is all about like Judge Dredd picks a fight with him. He shows back up. He's like, "We got unfinished business. I'm bringing you in later." And that that sets up the second book. And he shows up in Gotham and he just starts a fight with him. And that's like half of the book is just him fighting him. <laughs> and it's it's really like a distraction so that Batman doesn't get killed in an explosion that they learn about, like from a paper or some bullshit, like a future paper. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, the third one, they get transported to some kind of weird alien world and they're fighting for some kind of like some asshole with like a, a power staff that is making all these lesser beings fight each other for his amusement or some shit. It's, it's kind of weird. I didn't expect it to go there, (laughs) but I don't know if this is a judge dread thing or it's just something they pulled out of their ass because I just don't know enough about judge dread yet. Okay. Um, Then I've also played uh, the seventh guest. I didn't finish it. This is an aborted attempt because I fucking hate this game. (laughs) <laughs> oh man i really want to hear more about that um honestly there's not much to talk about so it's not like oh i want to save this for accelerated gamer or anything mm. it's just like um i'd always heard this game's like a cult classic like early pc game uh it's uh, like a big, F- a big part of why it was popular was because of its presentation though right it was the first game to do graphics the way it did or one of the first I think so. It, it predates Mist. Mist comes out later that year, I think. Okay. So they're being worked on probably around the same time, but uh, it's just got this really cheesy storyline. It, it's weird and doesn't make any sense to me. Mm. This guy is like, he's accosting old ladies and stuff. He's like a bum and he, he steals money from people. He's like a shitty highwayman or something. <laughs> <laughs> And one night he goes to sleep and he has a dream about being able to create some kind of toy and he makes it a reality and he becomes a famous toy maker and he creates a weird mansion. Okay. Yeah, it's like weird. And then he invites a bunch of people, like a bunch of socialites in that town to his mansion one day. And I think they all die under like dubious, weird circumstances in that (laughs) mansion. And you're like playing as somebody. I don't know if it's like a survivor of that incident or something. And you're in the mansion. And you just do, you go around and you see the ghosts of the people that came to the mansion and you solve puzzles with like no context as to what the puzzles are for. Well, that does put me in mind of Mist. The thing about Mist is the puzzles, there is context for them and they make sense because they're all based in some kind of mechanics. Like this thing is for opening a door. This or they'll, or they'll at least tell you later on as you explore, you figure out what that thing's for. 
sure. of the very one of the very first puzzles is you go to a dining room and you see ghosts talking around a, a cake. <laughs> I guess we just we just eat this cake. And you the one of the only weird icons is like a brain thing that lets you know it's a puzzle. You go to it and it's like getting all of the slices of cake off of the cake platter. That's the puzzle. <laughs> what do you get for it? Nothing. You get another vision of ghosts saying shit. That's it. But that's that's what you want, right? Is to see the ghosts. You're trying to solve a mystery. I guess so. Mm-hmm. But the, the second puzzle was like nonsense. It was fucking nonsense. I didn't understand what I was supposed to do at all. Are you streaming it or anything? No, I'm yeah, not I playing should. it anymore. Uh, okay, <laughs> I wanted to see some of it, but I hate it. Like I don't know. Go, see, okay, see if you can get it like on Steam or something for like a buck. I would. Well, now it. I don't want to play it anymore because you said it's awful. <laughs> all right, yeah, you should trust me. Mist is better. Mist is much better. I have missed. Play it. And that's it. That's it for me. Cool. All right. I guess it's time to get into some Star Trek The Next Generation. Um, so we're going into Tin Man, which is season three. And we just get the episode number, which was, I don't know. 20. <laughs> 20. There you go. Uh, and by God, uh, I just want to say... I remember seeing this episode. I kind of gave a description the last time, but I I mixed up another uh, Troy, uh, Deanna Troy episode. Oh, it's important also to say uh, our our listeners chose these episodes for us. Thank you. Yes. They did a good job. Yeah, and Tin Man. Whew. So, like, a quick plot is, like, they got this guy named Tam, uh, Tam Elbrun, who is another Betazoid, uh, which he was born with the uh feeling other people's feelings uh apparently he's, he's super beta zori he can and like diana can just like sense people's feelings she's an empath but he's like a straight up telepath like he can hear people's thoughts and see their memories and all this other shit yeah so uh like they they explained it a little bit where you know the offsprings they don't get it right away uh he was just born with it and it was crazy, but anyway, uh, they brought brought him onto the ship because he, they're doing contact with an alien, uh, which they called Tin Man, uh, and we find out that Tin Man is an, a living ship uh, that is in this galaxy where the sun is about to, or the yeah, the sun was about to go supernova. Um, but anyway, I just want to get into it. Uh, when Tam came onto the Enterprise. Right away, just how he's written, you're just like, wow, this guy's a fucking dick. Uh, and, like, the whole time I was just like, I hate him. Like, why is he being a dick to Picard? I can understand why he's a dick to Riker, because Riker, right away, he's like, we're bringing Tam on board. Fuck that guy. You know, he got, you know, other people killed. So I kind of see the tension there. But, you know, you find out later down the road that he's hearing or feeling, hearing and feeling everybody's feelings and shit. And it, it's imagine going into a building with a thousand people and you're feeling all their feelings at the same time. That would fucking suck. <laughs> well, it's not just their feelings. He hears their thoughts. That's, that's yeah. Just imagine a thousand people speaking at you at all simultaneously. It'd be impossible. Yeah. Yeah. Um. So I guess my question to you guys is, what do you think about Tam? Like I gave my opinion. Uh, Andy, what do you think of him? he's fine um both of these episodes are very good indicators of some one of the few things about next generation i don't love and that's that there's so many one-off ancillary characters civilians um 
just just random guys and they're always like wiry weirdos they're always like i don't know how to describe it they're, they're soft-spoken and usually like their hair's fucked up or something there's so many of those characters in next generation this guy's not very soft-spoken at all Nah, you're right. You're right. I, I was trying to uh, some of the others that I'm thinking of are, but the, he he kind of falls into this this thing about I don't I don't know what it is. But I, that aside, I think he's he's an interesting character. We don't see a lot of Betazoids in the show besides um, besides Shoy, like her mother's in several episodes. But other than that, there's only a couple, and it's just interesting to see that mm-hmm. he is weird and abrasive. But um, do, do Betazoids show up in any other shows? Like, are they in Deep Space Nine or Voyager? Or I can't recall. Yeah, I don't know. Huh. I okay. feel like they. I feel like there's probably one in like a one-off situation in DS Nine, but it's not a member of the core cast at any point. Yeah, yeah. they, they kind of go, "Hey, this person's a Betazoid. Remember Troy? Huh? Huh? It's kind of like those nudges a little bit, but I don't think anything." out of the ordinary but zach what would what you think about tam um i thought he was kind of an interesting guest character i guess is what i would call him mm-hmm. um but um i started figuring out what his deal was shortly after he pretty much came onto the scene so to speak it's like oh he's just overwhelmed by all this shit this is why he's always impatient with people and Mm-hmm. stuff you can't shut them out everything and yeah they pretty much did go over that later i was like okay that's that's his deal i get it yeah um so i do like the the two relationship uh the, well the one relationship that i like is tam and data because again data's an android you don't feel his feelings you don't hear his thoughts because i just he doesn't have feelings or thoughts does he have thoughts oh i didn't I, he has I, responses by algorithms and whatever he said. <laughs> Can't remember. Possibly, what he said. yeah. But I, I love when Data is curious in episodes, especially like uh, this is a side tangent. Especially with this episode when he's talking to Tam and he's trying to find out, like, is a relationship like, is that the purpose of life and all that stuff? And then I watched a uh, one with Spock in it. I think it's. Uh, Unification when the Romulans and uh, oh, he's supposed to, he's the diplomatic envoy to Romulus, right? Yeah, and Data is yeah. talking to Spock and they have inter- interesting conversations. So I love every time when Data is like overly curious and asks questions, and then they go, hmm, yeah, that's what that that's what we kind of feel like as humans or or other species and stuff. Data is probably the most interesting character on the show. And then I'm not saying he's necessarily the best or the best written or anything, but I think he's the most interesting mm-hmm. character on the show. And yeah. and stuff like that is exactly why. Yeah, and especially when especially when he gets emotion chips and you know when he you know can't control Honestly, him. I hate that shit. Yeah. I uh, I I love any episode that has uh lore in it or um Sung, Sung, whatever the 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 guy who made him's name is, mm-hmm. Noonian Sung, 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 whatever it is. I love those as well. I love any data episodes, which we didn't really like get any of. Not the data, not the data lore episodes, anyway. Yeah, uh, or the one like where he builds a daughter. 
Oh yeah, that was such a good one too. There's a lot of weird implications to that too, because they're like, "Is this like a person? Did he build a person? Do we give her all the same rights and stuff?" And it's like, "Well, we give data rights, so yes, I guess." And we didn't also choose the one episode where, uh, remember, the doctor wanted to like take data and like examine him, and they had like a little... measure of a man. It's yeah. one of my favorite episodes. Yeah. Anyway, uh, back to Tin Man. Um, so. You understand, you're trying to be like, why is Tam on board? Why is he being impatient? I get it, we're going to this area to visit this alien, uh, but then you find out that he was, like, telepathically, like, talking to it, like, billions and billions of light years away, and he said that it was, like, a feeling or something, or he was getting, like, small doses or whatever. Um, but I, I have to... My favorite part is when the Romulans were, you know, behind him cloaked and shit, and he tells like uh, Tin Man to fucking just blow up the Romulan warship, a oh, warbird or whatever. Whatever. Well, he says you're in danger. He doesn't say you should kill him. He just says you're in danger. You need to defend yourself. And he defends himself by blowing up the Romulan warbird. Yeah, uh, that was cool. Uh, and then I like the exchange between him and Picard because Picard is like, I, I, I. I can't tell if you are lying to me. I can't trust you because uh, you're so you you want to be with Tin Man so much, and you're putting us at risk just so you could have that moment. And you, you don't find out the moment that he wants, which we will get to. Uh, but what do you guys think? Uh, what what other things that you liked or hate about the episode, Zach? I'll start with you. Um, I liked uh, seeing more Romulan stuff again. And it showed like the other oh, sneaky assholes and they snuck in behind him and at the at their own risk even because they, they overdid their uh, warp core or something. They, mm. they can't they can't warp uh warp travel or something again. I forget the exact term. They can't go in hyperspace. Um so it was like they were like it's a one way trip. It's like oh shit. And then they just get wiped out by that giant wave. That was cool. Mm-hmm. When, when when Tin Man made that giant energy wave and it fucked up the Enterprise too, so it made like a clicking, uh, a clicking, a ticking clock element for them because it's like this this star is gonna explode soon because that was part of the plot was Tin Man was floating around this uh, star that was gonna go like supernova and implode, mm-hmm. uh, and they're like we we don't know how long we're gonna have we're gonna have like maybe a couple days so they're like telling Jordy to quit fucking around and repair the shit. So he's trying he's <laughs> every like, engineer right. in every star trek has always been just a fucking whipping boy it's pretty much he's like how how long is this gonna take he's like hey 20 hours if we do double shifts he's like do it in 10 he's like <laughs> <laughs> and he always, uh, and he always has an answer too because he's like all right so the first thing i want to do is get these computers back up and like Riker's like no you need to get shields back up because we got the romulans coming he's like god damn it <laughs> that's not going to matter if the star explodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, I like that stuff. Yeah. I liked when data interacted with, uh, um, Tam. That was interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like that this, I don't really know that this was really necessarily a Troy episode after watching it. I felt like it was more of a data episode. Yeah. Kind of. I thought so. It was kind of Troy centric because she knew him a little bit and, 
I guess the next episode would be a Troy episode. If, if I would know. say that one is yeah. more. Yeah. Yeah. Because there's romance involved. Troy and, and Jordy take up the next episode. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyways, uh, I also liked later, like when he was able to, I guess I'm jumping ahead a little bit. He was able to get on the ship and then he's he learns like, oh, this is an ancient being. It's lived forever, you know, and it's it wants to die. But he kind of finds peace by being on the ship. And I guess he just decides I'm going to live on the ship from now on. Like, it's like okay, I, I, I guess I get it because then he's away from everybody. Well, and... he kind of brings it up in the beginning. He's like, I hate being around people. He's not a people's person because he feels their feelings and thoughts. Uh, so being with this person and even dying with this sh- living ship is kind of his peace. Um, I Here's guess a thought though: Do they die? I didn't think so. I didn't think so. I think they got away. I was the first time I saw this, I was under the impression, oh, they died together. Uh, but then later it was like, wait, but did they? Because there's no evidence at all that they died. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a, you know, how do you take this kind of thing? I took it as they got away. Hmm. It could be either or. I mean, either way, they're at peace because if they're, you know, traveling together, then they're at peace. If they die together, they're at peace, so it's still the same. They're traveling outcome. together, though, I'd like to know what the hell Tam's gonna eat. Maybe the maybe the ship generates food, because uh, he he did mention something about how the ship took care of its crew took and care blah, of its blah, crew. Blah. You're right? Yeah, there's like a symbiotic thing. So maybe they used the ship to survive. Now he's going to or something. I don't know. Good point. That's uh that's about all I got for this one, though. I think. Andy, any anything with you that you want to bring I, up? I've always, uh, not always. That's a lie. Uh, in the, more recently in my life, I've always been fascinated with sci-fi that plays with the idea of like living technology, living ships specifically. Yeah. So I really wish they would have got more into what Tin Man's deal was because they talk about all oh, there used to be all these many of them. They might have even come from outside of our galaxy, which is not something that Star Trek ever really gets around to exploring much. It's always just the four quadrants. Mm-hmm. Um, other, other sci-fi things have experimented with that a little bit. And I've always found it again. That was a lie. I didn't always find it. I've more recently found it very interesting. <laughs> Listen to me, but it, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to wrap your mind around a living machine, right? Yeah. Well, so, well in the way that they portray it, cause technically data is a living machine. So this is a different situation. The Borg is like a whole nother conversation. But uh, whatever, it's a creature, but also people live in it and fly it around the stars. Weird. So, uh, see, I I grew up on uh, the show Farscape, which is like an Australian sci-fi uh, show. That yeah. uh, quick synopsis: a guy goes through a wormhole, goes on this living ship with like weird aliens that are on there. Um, but it's a living ship, and I always like the idea of a living ship because it's breathing. I didn't know that about Farscape, I didn't yeah. know that either. It's actually on Amazon Prime, so go watch it. Good show. You ever watch Sliders? I want to watch it. I, I remember seeing it with my dad first season, and that's it. What about Quantum Leap? I can remember watching that when I was younger, but I don't I don't remember anything about it. <laughs> it's like when you're tra- channel surfing and you just see something. It's like, oh, what's this? And you watch it once and you forget about it kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> anyway... Um, 
I always like when uh, the Enterprise gets pushed away, like away from like danger. Like when... that was kind of silly. <laughs> they were like, it showed it spinning, and then it showed them kind of being like, whoa. The uh, <laughs> the animation of like Tin Man pushing away the Romulan ship and the Enterprise is did not age very gracefully. Like it looks really goofy. I hate it. Yeah, cause... I think they should have at least fallen on the ground in the ship though. Like selling the the ship being jostled, the selling of the ship being jostled was not good. They they've they've been jostled a lot in their day. They're getting pretty good at, at standing. Yeah, I mean they kind of flew around a little bit when uh, the when the uh, Tin Man takes out that Romulan warbird. Like I think somebody like flew into the fucking wall. I forgot who it was. I think it was Worf. <laughs> But then, like, also, they when the Romulans decloaked behind them, like, surprise, bitch, and they just shot the hell out of them. Mm-hmm. They, they jumped around and fell on the ground there, too. <laughs> and, and to go back on the Romulans, they kind of, I don't know if you brought this up, uh, they claimed this airspace, and they made, and Riker made a joke, like, wherever they can see into, you know, space is what they own. Yeah. Uh, because Bacard brings up, like, I don't, we're here for science. We're just exploring. Ah, he's just doing a bluff. He's like, oh, we're, do you want to help us study stuff? We're studying. <laughs> and then they hung up. And the, the guy's like, I'm not buying your shit. <laughs> I think he just hung up. And then Picard's like, uh, get, get the shields ready. Get the, 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 the photon computers ready right now. <laughs> uh, shields up. Yeah. What do you think of. Because there was a part where Picard brings in Troy and Data, and you know Troy's going, well, I I kind of see him being su- suicidal here and being attached to this alien. I don't want him to go. I can't trust him. And like Data pushes for him, uh, which was really interesting, because he's like, no, where are you gonna go, Andy? What are you gonna say? I, I was just gonna mention there's a unifying theme between this episode and the next, but I guess I'll wait and I'll bring it up then. Okay. But I, I, I found that interesting because I was like, it seems like Data's curious at the same time, too. Uh, and I kind of want to end it on here. And unless you guys have anything else to talk about, I just, really... Just, just a real good end of the unknown one-off Star Trek episode. That's what this is. Yes. But I really like the scene with Data and Troy where he said at the end, you know about relationship and how Tam was attached to Tin Man. And he says, you know, I felt like I should be back with you guys. And then that's when Troy hugs him. And I, I thought that scene was written very well. And I was like, ah, data, <laughs> data has feelings. <laughs> that was a good, that was a good feels moment. Yeah. But I, yeah, I, I'm never going to say not recommend uh, Star Trek next generation. Cause this, this was a good episode, a good one off. Zach, what about you? Yeah, I liked it. I thought it was pretty good. Pretty good one. Had some those interesting questions about things like, is this thing live? Is is this guy gonna kill himself? I don't think he's gonna kill himself at all because Data is like an impartial like guy, and he just I don't know. They kind of brought the interactions with him and Tam were like pretty interesting. I thought. I I, Um, sorry to interrupt you. I always like when (laughs) Data sees that we're breaking off protocol because he's like, we need to we need to go. You're in danger. Let's go. And then that's yeah. when Tin Man puts the shield up and everything. But yeah, I liked it. Cool. Andy, do you want to start off talking about the Masterpiece Society? You didn't ask if Andy liked it. He did. He said it was a good one-off. Yeah. Did you like it? Yeah, I did. I love uh, 
both of these episodes are good examples of just, hey, this is our continuing mission to seek out new life and new civilizations and to screw around in the stars and look for shit and study it. Mm-hmm. Pretty much. That's what he says in the intro, verbatim, word for word. Yep. Uh, the Masterpiece Society is, uh, they're following this, uh, I'm pretty sure this is like creative science fiction, but it's like the fraction of a quasar or fraction, the, the uh, fracture, a piece a fragment, that's what it is, of a quasar star, which would make it like super dense and it's like listing through the universe just slowly or whatever. And uh, it's going to come near this planet and they're like, oh shit, people live there. So they have to go talk to those people. But it turns out these people are humans who left Earth. Um, do they say how long ago specifically? It's just generations, right? It's like a couple generations. Like I think he said 200 years. Yeah. Okay. 200 years ago, they left Earth so that they could come up here and found this society because the Federation and Earth outlawed um, uh, genetic engineering, eugenics, which they were all about. They This is a planned society, and everyone is engineered to fill a perfect little niche, a little perfect role. And like one person is an extremely great scientist, one person is an extremely great leader one person is an extremely great judge one person's uh extremely great you know they, they're they all engineered to fit in this little role and so they're out here and they're doing their own thing and they're like uh you can't you can't come down here and help us this is this is a perfectly controlled biome if you come down here you're gonna screw everything up but we can't come up there either and so the enterprise says well you're gonna die it's either you let, you let us try to help you or you just all die <laughs> so of course they decide eventually with some goading from Picard and crew to let the Enterprise help them. And the the story follows. Uh, Troy starts talking to their leader, and they end up having, like, a fling. And uh, Jordy works with their scientist, and they figure out how to save save the society. Because they, they do some, some science bullshit with the tractor beam. Uh, one of those famous scenes in Star Trek where they're, they're just saying a bunch of science stuff, and it's like you understand, oh, it's not working. It's not working yet. They're going to have to increase the something. They've increased it. Oh, it worked. It's all just made up bullshit words. <laughs> so uh, the society, you know, they're all perfect in a sense uh, because apparently they don't allow any type of disability, even if you're blind or deaf. If you're blind or deaf, you're just not a part of that society. Well, it's not that they don't allow it. It's that it just doesn't exist. It's engineered out of like the very first, you know, you know, seed to egg phase, I guess. Mm -hmm. Again, like we don't understand how um, eugenics works in the Star Trek universe, but we do understand that it's bad and that it's outlawed. I mean, anyone who's seen Wrath of Khan understands the implications of like the eugenics wars and stuff like that, because Khan is famously a holdover from the eugenics wars or whatever. And Kirk encountered him in space and he was like a great villain. And then they brought him back for the second movie. And it is now like one of the most famous science fiction stories ever told or whatever. Mm -hmm. I also got like a Amish village uh, vibes with these people because, you know, they, they want to be their own way of living and stuff and don't want to be subjected to outside uh, cultures. uh, Thanks Quakers. Yeah. To interrupt their stuff, and <laughs> uh, the judge is an asshole. By the way, throughout the, I under, and he ended up being he ended up being right based off of what happened at the end. 
because <laughs> allowing them into the biodome uh, pretty much swayed people. Because, you know, when you're inside and you're learning only one way and then you find out there's other things in the world, your your mind is curious. And a lot of people were curious when they saw these people just beam into their fucking biodome and fix their problem. Uh, especially the one scientist who goes into the ship. Yeah, that's, that's of course, where the drama comes from. In the final actions, there's drama up until then. they got to save this colony. But at the end... Like two dozen people decide that they want to leave this engineered society and go with the Enterprise, which, mm. you know, uh, as Picard points out, it's their right as human beings to do that. Like they can't be kept somewhere. That's a violation of human rights. But if they leave this engineered society, it can like really fuck up that society because they all fill one of those specifically engineered niche roles. Mm -hmm. So now suddenly they're without someone who knows how to whatever bake or agriculture they're without someone who knows how to repair all the plumbing they're without that scientist their greatest scientist goes with them like, you know it's kind of you're kind of fucking over this this colony and of course they're like you should just all come and they're like no so why do you guys think that troy because she didn't just fall in love with him she fell in love with the way of culture was she just happy to see peace there I don't know. Maybe. I mean, she, she she talks about how it's like idyllic and it's a nice place. She says she'd come there on her vacation if they had a hotel. And he's like, well, I have to tell him to build a hotel so you can come here and fuck me again. <laughs> <laughs> it's funny because Picard, you know, since he hates that way of life, he just like, oh, just, like when him and Troy were talking about that and he was just like, yeah, that's fucking stupid. <laughs> like, There's no humanity in it. Yeah. Well, he, he despises uh, genetic engineering. Mm. Yeah, with with reason. I mean, he's he's a man of of history, right? And again, we don't know the exact specifics, but there was a eugenics war on Earth, and I guess it like was was really terrible. It came after the Third World War, I think, and the Greater Star Trek time. I don't know. This is just stuff I've pieced together watching Star Trek over the years. They should really do not a movie, but maybe like a TV show out of it, maybe. I don't know. Or maybe a movie. Or I don't know. I don't care. I want to know more about like it's probably a book. I'll bet you probably, anything. I bet these books that, yeah. Yeah. Um, Zach, what what do you think of this episode? Um This is another one of those episodes I think that poses challenging questions like uh oh it has to deal with that prime directive deal too. Yes, oh. one of the best uh prime directive episodes, even though the prime directive doesn't apply because they're human beings. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> made made it made a challenging uh, situation for them. Um, it was uh, I don't know. I kind of like Jordy's interactions with the the scientists. I I did I forgot her name already, even at, even though I've watched it <laughs> just just now. Hannah, um, Hannah, Hannah. Yeah, that's right, Hannah. Yeah, and uh, like. I like seeing them work together and stuff. And then she's all like curious about why he's blind and everything. And it's like, it's like, sorry, I don't mean to offend. And he's like, no, it's just, I've always been this way. And then he makes some kind of comment about how it's like, you know, how, who are you guys to decide that, you know, if just cause somebody's blind, they, they don't even have a chance to contribute anything. It's like, Oh shit. It was very passive aggressive. I don't know. It was pass. It was passive aggressive. I don't. I don't mean to get political, but immediately my mind went to like abortion or some shit. <laughs> yeah. I don't. I don't know what. Just that's just where my mind leapt. 
Because I think but, that's um, what. Because I, I even though like Andy, you said that they're genetic that way. I think if somehow it got past that part where they genetically made somebody and they found out that he was blind, I think either a they would like banish him or or her uh, or kill like get rid of. Um, I think you can find out like if they have the kind of tools it takes to genetically engineer. I think they'd be able to know that someone was going to have that kind of a problem in the embryonic stage, right? I, I, I mean, think, again, I think it's all so. technology, but it's implied. Like, that's kind of what they say, I think. I think, I think so, yeah. Uh, but, you know, they're a little back and forth and stuff, and then he, he figures out that shit where they're, whatever, the little device thing they're trying to make up to uh, make the, the super-powered tractor beam <laughs> um, to, I guess, move the chunk of the quasar start can quasar break up into chunks i again that's why i was saying i think this is like creative science fiction I, I, that I sounds like so. bullshit to me but I, I didn't think that it could honestly so <laughs> if it can that's news to me and it sounds pretty badass but i don't know space is bonkers i don't it could be anything space is insane honestly <laughs> like honestly star trek probably didn't even portray just how crazy star space can be sometimes I don't think, yeah, they kind of downplay it like it's normal. <laughs> but, uh, they, uh, yeah, Jordy kind of figures out the the tech that makes up his visor so he can see through, like, all the spectrums and shit can fix the invention they're trying to make, the, the problems it's having, where it's, like, overheating or it's overloading the power circuits or something. And they fix it, and they come up with the... Uh, the solution to, uh, okay, we can, we can make this device. We won't have enough power to really move it enough. So we should like go down on your uh, your commune and uh, reinforce it with extra shields and extra power generators and stuff, and that leads into like the next part of the plot, I guess. Yeah, where they nearly drained all the fucking life support in the Enterprise. To they get... cut that fuck. They cut that shit close. <laughs> I like that. I like that scene. It was like those quick cuts. And it's like Jordy, how long? He's like fifteen seconds. It's like ten seconds. It's like fuck. It's a hurry. Bring it back around. <laughs> we are going to die. <laughs> like the frowny face. Like, nah, they cut it like at, geez, it was like two seconds left or a second and a half. I think it was like 1.19 or something or 1.20 it was at. I forgot what it was, but it was close. Yeah. And, uh, you know, they, they do, they do all this work and then like they're all packing up and ready to go and everything. And all of a sudden Hannah's like, there's a leak. Oh my God, there's a leak. And then that's when you find out that, you know, they want to leave and all that stuff. Uh, yeah. Lying. Yeah. yeah. Jordy figures out there's no leak because he can see fucking everything with that visor, apparently. Mm-hmm. By the way, uh, something that stood out to me lying on that kind of a level doesn't seem like something a perfect engineered person should do. Hey, their leader said it. It seems that sometimes there's still some imperfections we're working out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um. So, you know the part where they're all, uh, you know, talking to the crowd of people, and he's like, "Hey, you know, you're you're welcome to leave or stay, but just give me six more months." And I thought to myself, "I'm like, six more months? They're just gonna fucking leave, and there's never gonna be a space." Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not gonna say never because never say never. Uh, but Picard said they'd come back. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he said, yeah, no, we will come back in six months and come get anybody that wants to come with us. That didn't sound completely unfair to me. 
I didn't think so either. I thought that was pretty reasonable. That's a like, pretty big decision you got to make there. They'd have to like figure out how to adjust to all these people leaving and maybe give them a little bit of a grace period. Come on. But then they get in a big fight and they're like, fuck you, we're leaving. So, right. <laughs> and then it, then he's like, fine, okay, you guys could leave. And then he goes no, back. He, he says, we'll be here waiting when you want to come back or something like that. I kind of want a follow-up episode with them. Uh, I want a follow-up episode about a lot of Star Trek episodes, if I'm being <laughs> honest. I'm serious. I want to see what happened to Tin Man if he didn't actually die. Tin Man and uh, whatever his name was, Tamor or whatever. Tam Elburn. Uh, yeah, there you go. Uh, Elron Hubbard. Yeah, there you go, that guy. <laughs> uh but yeah like it, it it makes me wonder you know how that society is after you know pretty much like half their population going going onto the fucking uh enterprise looks like you were yeah. gonna say something andy i the, i think they only said like 23 people went yeah it's 23 but it didn't look like a big biodome it never does. You've seen this show. They're yeah. always like, there's so many people here. And then every set is like the size of my TV room. Like they it's said, got like 12 people in it. They're like, like, oh, man, they... this is a huge city. And it's, no, it's not. It's like when they said, we got to beep down 50 engineers with a bunch of equipment. It's like, okay, five. go. And then like five guys show up. And then later, like when they're beaming them back up, it's the same five guys. Like you couldn't get five more extras or something for this shot. Come on. No. They were running on a tight budget, that one. On that one. Hey, you know something I thought about? This was maybe it was a throwaway line. I don't know. But like when they're all together at the end and Picard's there with the the leader dude, I I forgot his name too already. Was it Anderson or something? Uh, Aaron. Uh, Aaron. Aaron. Aaron, Yeah. Connor. Yeah. Okay. It was Connor. Uh, And they're like, they're giving them the the spiel about like six more months and we'll come back in six months and all this stuff. And Picard makes a point to say, you know, the life on the ship or out there might not be all you think it is. It's uh, you've only experienced a very little portion of, you know, what we have to deal with every day. And I kind of thought, you know, honestly, if these people were, I don't, I'm not saying they get on the ship and maybe live on it forever or whatever, or become like, you know, Starfleet guys or something, but like transitioning to a life on that ship, I don't think would be too much different from what they're already used to. They're stuck in a place doing specific tasks or whatever every day. <laughs> it's like they didn't consider that, I guess, but they wouldn't know any better. Well, now an important thing too, is they're going, getting on the enterprise, but they're not like joining Starfleet. There's still like civilians there. Yeah. So. That's what, that's what I said. I knew there was civilians yeah. that lived there. I just didn't know if some of them would be like the, the science lady might be like, I want to be a Starfleet science officer. That sounds like something she would want to do. Yeah. I've always yeah. wondered like, what are the civilians doing on the enterprise? Obviously they, they can, they leisure time is infinite, right? It's not like they've got to like, go run a bar at 10 forward or something. They don't have jobs as far as I can tell. Yeah, there's it no... Doesn't seem like... So they just like read all day and then go to the hol- holodeck and jerk off or what? <laughs> well, I, I, I think there's... They no, run Barclays shit and, you know... There's no currency in the Federation because I remember a scene where Riker went to like a, a bar with this lady who had like four arms playing the piano and she's like, here's my tip jar. And he's like, well, I, I don't carry money. <laughs> And he's like, she's like, what the hell? <laughs> what do you mean you don't have money? But I digress. I, I, I guess they've advanced beyond money. Money yeah. is no longer needed. 
but for some reason poker is still compelling that's one of the things about next generation that always gets me because there's like it's all some of the best scenes in the entire series is when all the officers are playing poker right Mm. but there'd be no drama if money has no you know levity if uh, maybe they're playing for credits maybe there's no physical currency anymore no there's just no money Really? They make they make yeah. a point of it and saying in Star Trek several times, uh, Earth has has evolved beyond the use for currency. Everyone gets what they want and need, so money is useless. I mean, think about it, Zach. They they don't cook food anymore. They just have a hey, I want Earl Grey tea hot, and then yeah, just, I mean, I, I, their food I don't comes see, out of a wall. I don't see any of that. It's just people have food already or something. Yeah, well, watch more of the series, and eventually you'll see they have they have you know. No, I, no, I want this, and it comes out of a wall. And nobody's ever made any mention about currency or anything. So. They ex- they explored a little bit more in Deep Space Nine though, because the space station is full of like shops and stuff, and all these other cultures still use money. So they they, was, they explored a little more then. How the fuck would that even work though? Exactly. Honestly. Like if you think about it too much, you start being like, "Well, it doesn't make any sense." But on a Federation ship, I think there's no use for money still. And on Earth, in fact, there isn't. But it's as soon as they start getting other places that it kind of becomes important again. There's a few times in DS9 when they actually have to pay someone in gold-pressed Latin numbers, some shit like that. Sounds like hippy-dippy John Lennon horse shit, honestly. Well, wouldn't it be nice to get everything you need and want and not need money? I guess. What would be the point of fucking living, then, if you couldn't obtain riches to, to better yourself and learn things and practice your arts and i don't know maybe it's a it's a utopia <laughs> i suppose so i don't know, go dig john Rodden, or roddenberry up and ask him <laughs> you're kind of john, john roddenberry john you just, Dangerfield. you just said john lennon <laughs> i almost said john lennon Go dig up John. I'm really glad John Lennon came up with Star Trek. That was amazing. <laughs> um, Imagine all the people. They're wearing different suits. They're all on a bridge. And they're Paul McCartney, shit. Star Wars, though. I couldn't understand. It just didn't. I don't know what he was thinking. So I guess we're all, unless there's something else that we need to talk about this episode. Oh, Andy, you said something Oh episodes. yeah, yeah. The, the I mean, not only are both of these episodes go somewhere and see a weird science thing, and then they get wrapped up in an adventure, but uh, both episodes involve Picard telling a member, a, a good member of his crew, and usually they're all really reliable, telling them to do something, and both of them kind of fucking it up because he tells Data, "Okay, go with this psychic weirdo. We want to study this ship." We're going to send him over there and just tell him to talk to the ship, you know, talk him down. I don't want anything getting crazy. Data goes over there. What happens? They lose the ship. They get blown several billion kilometers away. He might die. We don't know. Hey, uh, Again, like, it's kind of a happy ending, but also Data kind of fucked that up. That wasn't Data's fault, though. Not necessarily, but Data's the one who's like, oh, you should let him go. I'll go with him. I'll watch it. Well, he didn't know it would put up weird shields and it would block their ability to just port him out of there. That's true. Uh, he didn't know. That's fine. Like, I'm not saying, like, Data completely dropped the ball on this. I'm just saying, like, Picard wanted him to do this and he didn't quite get it done. Okay. Then in the next one, it's like, Troy, go talk to this guy. We need to make sure he's more reasonable. We might need to rescue all these people. What she do? She fucks him. Great job. Wow. <laughs> Why did she fuck him? Huh? Why? Um, well, because she fell in love. She wanted... Well, but why? She wanted that genetically engineered dick. 
I guess. <laughs> if it's genetically engineered, it's probably big, I it guess. It felt like there was nothing. She, she, she's like, hi, I like it here. He's like, I bet you do. I don't know. <laughs> I, I mean, hotel. why does anyone fall in love with anyone, I guess? Bullshit. Yeah, exactly. Bullshit. So, love, so love's bullshit. You heard <laughs> it here. You heard but it here the same first. thing. It's like, you're, you're a counselor. You're a federation officer. I need you to go talk to this guy. And then she falls in love with him. It's like, oh, well, you dropped the ball on that one a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, at least you recognized it. Yeah, no, that's fine. I mean, she's they're going, they're going on the turbo lift. She's like, I need to stop this. I need to talk to you right now. <laughs> I fucked up. Well, it's funny because right after, well, in you know, right when she kisses him, she's like, this is wrong. And then, you know, they fuck. And then, like, she wakes up really early and you could tell regret right away. <laughs> like, I'm not supposed to do this. This wasn't my job. Yeah, she I, says she's angry or something. Yeah. Instant regret. She's angry at herself for being weak. <laughs> but yeah, that's. It's just a just something interesting I noticed about both episodes. Nice. Uh, again, I will always recommend uh, the next generation. Uh, good yes. episodes by our fans, by the way. Yeah, great choices both. I think I liked Tin Man a little bit more, but they're both good. Yeah, I I like I like Tin Man a little more. Uh, Masterpiece Society is is good too. Zach, what about you? Um, I think. I don't know. I think I like Masterpiece Society just a little more. That's just fine. a little bit more. That's fine. Just a tiny bit. Yeah, all right. He likes all that Jordy science bullshit. I do. I like Jordy. He's my favorite. There's some really good Jordy episodes. Indeed. All right, guys. Well, that's the end of start. Oh, we gotta we gotta rank these. Holy shit! I was gonna say we're, we're ranking these, aren't we? Yeah. Oh, shit, I forgot about that. Yeah, yes, I, I, I forgot about that too. I don't know. Let me let me get a fucking piece of paper here. Yeah, I need to remember what all the old titles were now. I... <laughs> we're not prepared. We're professional. I forgot. Okay. Um, Are you fucking professional? So we got Tin Man, uh, Masterpiece Society. Fucking the first episodes. Yeah. Um, Encounter at Farpoint. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Elementary, My Dear Data. And we are back. We did our ranking. Uh, so you might hear like a phaser sound uh, when you come back or whatever. You should. The, the, the teleportation sound? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll think of a way. I'll see what happens. Um, so, all right. I'm going to go first, Andy, with mine. And then you go. And then I want to hear Zach's just to see if we're close enough. I know me and Andy are probably not that. We're not that close. Are we going one to eight or eight to one? Eight to one. Okay. So at number eight, I have the high ground. At number seven, I have Future Imperfect. At number six, I have the Masterpiece Society. At number five, I have Encounters at Farpoint. At number four, I have Elementary Dear Data. At number three, Matter of Honor. Uh, number two, Tin Man. Number one, Chain of Command. You put your your picks at the bottom. Yeah, I, I kind of I like your guys more. <laughs> okay, so. fair enough. Now, mine is, uh, and this is no slight against our viewers, of course. It's just coincidentally theirs ended up at the bottom. That's all. It's not a big deal. Uh, Masterpiece Society at eight, Tin Man at seven, High Ground at six, Encounter at five, Far Point at five. I had a hard time there. Uh, having Q in it gave it the the edge over High Ground. Uh, Matter of Honor at four, 
Future Imperfect at three, Elementary, Dear Data at two, and Chain of Command at number one. All right, Zach. Chain of Command is like arguably my favorite episode of the whole series, so there was no way it wasn't going to be number one for me. Yeah. Zach, what about you? Okay, number eight, I have Future Imperfect. Uh, Seven, I have Tin Man. Uh, Six, High Ground. Five, Masterpiece Society. Four, Chain of Command. Three, Encounter at Farpoint. Two, man, I saw that face you made. Shut the fuck up. Two, Matter of Honor. I'm I'm trying to type these as you say. Okay. (laughs) I thought you were looking at it, motherfucker. (laughs) Uh, One, Elementary, my dear data. Wow. So me and Andy have Chain of Command at number one, and you have Elementary. That's that's interesting. Yeah. I have Elementary at number two. Yeah. All right. So I guess we have a fight, guys, uh, going in. Um, so Zach, what'd you have at number eight? Future Imperfect. Future Imperfect. Andy, you have Masterpiece Society. Mm. And my, at number eight is The High Ground. I like Future Imperfect almost all the way through, but right at the end, it really just kind of like, kind of stutters. But right up until that, man, it's a fun, it's a fun adventure. Mm Mm-hmm. Um... Shit, how are we going to do this? I don't know. It's almost impossible. Like, I don't think we have anything in common. Yeah. We have to decide, yeah, who's going to who who's gonna fight for their position. Um, Zach, where did you put Encounter at Farpoint? Three. Hmm. Um, Look, future... No, I no put, we don't have anything in common, the three of us. <laughs> we don't. Because Dubs and I are ones and fives match. So I, I guess match, I don't match either of you guys, do I? So I guess since, I don't. I, I was trying to follow along and I, I got lost. Okay, so since two to one, Here. two to one, Zach, Chain of Command is going to be number one. Where'd you put Chain of Command? Number two or three or something, right? No, I think it was lower. Oh, was it lower? Yeah, Zach, where, where'd you have Chain of Command? Four. Uh, so and then our number five is the encounters at far point. All right, so elementary deer data that that's Zach's number one, and that's my number two. So that kind of makes it go at number two, if you ask me. Okay, Zach, do you, you know what? Uh, I'm gonna switch my chain of command and encounter at far point. Actually, where was your encounter at far point? Where was that at? It was three, but I'm their chain's gonna go at three and counter's gonna go at four. Okay. okay. I had to think about it a little bit more there. Alright. Um so elementary deer data, I have it you have it at number two, I have it at number four, and Zach has it at number uh one. So now, now there is a follow up to elementary deer data. So that's exciting for you. <laughs> yeah. I saw that. I saw that in the little episode descriptions, and I was just flipping through there. So, Zach, are you uh, down for number two to be elementary deer data? Sure, I don't care. Okay. So, we have Encounter at Farpoint at five. We have elementary deer data at number two. Chain of Command at number one. So, right now, we have eight, seven, six, four, three. Uh, Zach, where'd you put Matter of Honor? The Klingon episode. Two. Okay, well, if you've got that at number two, Dubs has got it at three. I've got it at four. It could kind of go at three, unless you guys have a better idea as to what to put at three. 
Well, my number, well, my number three is Matter of Honor. Uh, right, that's kind of what I'm going off of. And honestly, Matter of Honor was like real close with uh, Future Imperfect for me, like super close. Honestly, I switched them at the last minute, and I kind of regret it. Okay, so do you do we all agree Matter of Honor should be at number three? Yeah, I mean Zach's got it to two. He thinks it should be higher anyway. Okay, so we got that. So now we have number four. My number four is on there to your data, so that's out of the picture. Yours is Matter of Honor. That's uh, out of the picture. <laughs> yeah, and then we have Future Imperfect, which is your number three. Zach, where'd you put Future Imperfect? Eight. Oh. <laughs> Neither of you guys like that episode. So. No, I like it. It's just uh, out of ranking all these eight episodes, oh, we yeah, saw yeah. I like. I liked it the least. Same, you know, same here. The low, low ones. I'll concede the high ground at number eight for Future Imperfect at number eight because Zach has it there, and I have it at number seven. So that's two against one against Andy. So what 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 are you saying? Future Imperfect at eight? Yeah. Yeah, fine. Okay. A lot of these episodes are so close together in my mind. Like I would watch any of these eight eight episodes again in a week. Yeah. All right. So number seven, Andy has Tin Man. I have Tin Man at number two. Uh, the reason I, I have was good, but uh, come on, man. I have Tin Man at number seven as well. Okay. So oh, double sevens. All right. Tin Man gets the number seven spot. <laughs> You're not going to try to fight that? No, because mine is weird because I like I mean, all the. This one's going to be impossible unless we do those kind of rulings. Like, if, if two people have the same thing at a number, that kind of just, it goes. Yeah. yeah, I hear you. Only if I can persuade people. And my my persuading as far as, like, Star Trek episodes, I love all those deep episodes that get into, like, psychological and all that. So sure. I'm, I'm weird when it comes to that. There's only a few episodes here I was I was ready to fight for, and that was a uh, chain of command and elementary dear data, and they're not one and two, so I have nothing to fight for now. Because <laughs> <laughs> those those two episodes kick ass. All right, so we have number four, and number six spot. Uh, so at Andy's number six is high ground. Uh, my high ground was at eight. Zach, where did you put high ground? Six. Okay. All right, so you guys win that for the high ground. We have high ground. ground. (laughs) Don't try it. (laughs) So what's the last one that I'm missing? What am I missing? What's a five? Um, Masterpiece Society? Masterpiece Society gets at number four. Wait, that that seems crazy. Zach, where'd you put Masterpiece Society? I put it at five. Okay, there's no way Masterpiece Society is going to be number four. Because he put it at five, I put it at eight, you put it at six. That don't make any sense. We fucked something up. <laughs> All right, so what do we want to switch around? Um, Let's put Masterpiece Society at six. Zach, where'd you say it was? Five for me. High okay. ground six for me. Okay, you said it's at five. Dub says it's at six. I said it was at eight. Let's put it at six because that's kind of like right in the middle of all of us and just bump high ground and encounter at far point each up one. Okay. Sure. All right. Hold on. I want to do this here. Take Masterpiece Society out. God damn it. Here's the thing. This is what makes this hard, in my opinion. These aren't none of these were bad or in any kind of way, really. 
Nope. I would argue just the end of Future Perfect with that weird little googly alien. That was kind of funny. Yeah, <laughs> if it wasn't for that, man, that episode was on track to be like stellar. But yeah, then it was just kind of like, oh, it's a kid. Okay, it was, it was still good, but like, no, it, yeah, it's still charming and everything. It's to me, this is all like uh, a matter of taste thing, really. Mm-hmm. Like, what what tickles your fancy more? It's like I liked the data, the the damn holodeck shit. That was great with the Moriarty and all that. That was really cool. Holodeck episodes kick ass. There's a there's an episode I can't remember if it's a holodeck episode or a time travel episode, but it's called Fistful of Datas, and they go to the old west. Oh, it's what? awesome! I love that. Episode. Sounds cool. <laughs> all right. So, like be- oh, go ahead. So does this look good? Um, do we need to make any more changes? Oh, that looks that looks pretty much right. Okay. Can you read it back for me. All right, so number eight, we have Future Imperfect. At number seven, we have Tin Man. At number six, The Masterpiece Society. At number five, The High Ground. Number four, Enter Encounter at Farpoint. Number three, Matter of Honor. Two, Elementary Dear Data. And number one, Chain of Command. No, I'm, that's totally fine with me. All right, so that is our final ranking of Star Trek The Next Generation September month. Um, so we are going to get into October, which is horror movies month. And our theme is trick or treat. Now trick is a bad movie and treat is a good movie. So Andy, what are, I think we're going to do a double feature for each week. Are you guys down with that or should we space them out? I thought that's what we were doing. Yeah, that's what I was under the impression we were going to do. I could watch two movies in a week, especially if it's stuff like this. Uh, if I'm going first, then everyone's in for a treat because even my trick is, Oh, God damn it. It's one of my favorites. <laughs> but everyone would generally agree, both subjectively and objectively, this movie's a piece of shit. Uh, my trick is Jason X, you know, the second best Friday the 13th movie ever made. <laughs> and uh, my treat is a movie I've never seen, but always meant to see, Event Horizon. It's a sci-fi space scary horror kind of thing. I well, think. Sam Neill. Yeah, Sam Neill's in it. That's right. But I've never seen that movie, and I don't know very much about it at all. But me either. It gets always, referenced in a lot of movie videos and shit I've watched. And I'm like, no, I kissed. I know. Everyone's I always like, oh, the best sci-fi horror, The Thing, Alien, a bunch of other movies I fucking adore. And then Event Horizon. I'm like, well, shit, I've seen all of these except Event Horizon. I've got to see that. So, mm-hmm. uh, Jason X, Event Horizon. Yep. So remember to watch those movies and then come back. And if you agree that. You know, Andy's trick is a trick, or in his treat is a treat, then, you know, also comment about that. All right, guys, it's time to get into some news that matter to us. So, we're going to talk about some next gen stuff. Uh, so, Andy, uh, you brought the news in Facebook, but I'll kind of bring up the title or, you know, the news. Microsoft buys Bethesda out of nowhere. <laughs> and. Uh, I, I don't think there's anyone who like expected this or saw it. I didn't realize that that Zenimax was even interested in doing such a thing as selling Bethesda. Seven billion dollars speaks, I guess. Um, <laughs> I mean, you're right. Uh, my opinion on this is I'm I'm pretty biased because I think I'm going Microsoft in this next generation. You're gonna get the Xbox. Yeah, and um. You know, people complained about not having exclusive. Now, I know there's a miscommunication between Microsoft because they're being like, this is not about exclusives because you get to play it anywhere. Lockers! Yeah. Uh, 
what I've heard about the deal is that both Deathloop and that other spoopy game, I I forgot what it is. Uh, Evil Within? No, no. Um, it's a fucking new game that's coming out. Uh, I forgot what it's called. It's very like Japanese horror kind of stuff going on. Uh, oh, I remember the trailer for it, but I don't remember the name either. Yeah, so that's gonna they're gonna fulfill the PlayStation uh, needs on that. Uh, I think they still have like a contract to deliver a PlayStation copy or some shit. Yeah, know. but once they are done with that, um, they didn't really go into deep detail. They said each game and franchise is gonna be a case by case thing. Um, my opinion is that they are probably gonna keep the big ones, like probably Fallout. Uh, um, probably Elder Scrolls, Elder Scrolls, Doom, Doom, and probably give like all the small shit. Be like, yeah, you PlayStation, you get to have, you know, uh, what's that other fucking game? Uh, it's another first-person shooter, but I, I'm not gonna think. I don't want Wolfenstein. Maybe. I think they need to. Well, no, not right now. I think that game needs another reboot. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I did not. I did not like the last three that they just did. I like the first one. Second one was kind of like, I get it. You hate Nazis, and then the third one is like, the young. We get it. Yeah. You hate fucking Nazis. Well, guys, it's a Wolfenstein game. What'd you expect? I mean, you don't have to make a big moral grandstand horse shit out of it, though. I mean, I just want to fucking bashing Nazis fucking skulls in, isn't it? I never played them. I never played them. See. No, there's a difference. There's fuck Nazis, I'm going to kill them, I'm going to bash their heads out. But then there's fuck Nazis, I'm going to put like get a sign and put it in front of the camera and be like, fuck Nazis, okay? Fuck Nazis. Fuck them. Fuck them. Okay, I mean, you guys are welcome to your opinions, but... uh, I'm going to take the precarious ground of saying fuck Nazis indeed. Oh no no I I, mean, I, I, fuck I Nazis indeed. I agree fuck <laughs> Nazis but like when you oversay it it's kind of like I get it. It's cool. part of the fun. I mean Nazis I mean in a way we should be thanking Nazis because they've provided us with like the one truly great bad guy. It's like the one thing everyone agrees. No, yeah, fuck Nazis, that's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, should you be congratulated for hating something that everybody universally hates already? No, of course not. It's like, you know, good job. That's Debris. that's basically what they're doing, though. They're uh, like, okay. Look at us! I'll, I'll play them one day, maybe. I don't know. I uh, I loved what they did with Doom, so I was, I was like, oh, maybe they did a really good job with Wolfenstein, but people have always said stuff like that and kind of turned me off of trying it. You know what? I wanted them... I wanted. I had a pretty good idea, I thought, for like a, a Castle Wolfenstein reboot mm-hmm. where it's like... Um, it's sort of like a FPS survival game a little bit. Like he literally breaks out of the castle, but he's like, it's, it's huge. It's like this ridiculously huge structure. And it's just based on you navigating it and trying to get out of there alive. I thought that could be a pretty good game. I don't know if anybody'd be brave to fucking try brave enough to try something like that these days though. It'd be hard to design such a thing. I'd assume. I don't know about that. How, why not? People make big, I dumb, mean, empty open world games. If it was big enough to like truly present that kind of a challenge, because like a big empty world, like Fallout or Breath of the Wild or something, that's one thing. But like you know, rooms with purposes and hallways and secret passages and stuff, that might be something else. Maybe not every room has to have a specific purpose. You got to have hallways just to take you to the next rooms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or something. I think it could be. They did it with the old Wolfenstein 3D. Yeah, that's so. true. That's what it was about. So, 
my 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 wet dream is to have uh, Doom Guy and Master Chief be in the same game. And well, I don't Doom care. Doom Guy would just absolutely annihilate Master Chief. Or you know, be on the side. I want a crossover. You them both the Smash Brothers. We're done. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh shit! Did you guys, uh, Dubs? You probably didn't, but Zach, you might have. Did you see that they announced like a cool add-on special edition for Doom sixty four from Limited Run this Friday? Oh, uh... wearable helmet of the original Doom guy from like the DOS game. Oh yeah, I saw that. And they had like a cool little pin. It was like the floppy. Yeah, disc. a pin that looks like a floppy disk and a poster. Oh man, that's a cool one with that. Oh, by the way, going back to what we playing and doing, I played uh, Ultimate Doom on PC over the weekend. I forgot about that. Oh, oh. right on. So, did you play it vanilla, or did you like do anything to it, like Brutal Doom or something? Like Brutal Doom? No, I uh, I didn't play the DOS version because there's like a uh, they had a different version that made the quality better. Oh, that's that's fine. That's I'm still calling it vanilla because it doesn't do anything to the gameplay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. I mean, play as, the best version, absolutely. Yeah, as long as the gameplay remains unchanged, that's to me. I'm calling that vanilla. Yeah, I, I just use the regular controls. I kind of, yeah. I find it funny because I try to like aim up and I'm like, I can't do it. <laughs> it's like, ah, don't worry about that. Don't, I, I know it's weird, but like, yeah, just it auto aims, everything hit scans. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, like I said, my wet dream is Doom Guy being with Master Chief. I don't even care if you put like the armor in there or if like he's an Easter egg. I just think it's pretty rad that, you know, they're part of the Microsoft family. Um, a lot of- Clarities. Yeah. Um, a lot of people are already, uh, you know, shitting on it because, but the, uh, don't get me wrong. When EA, uh, because I don't know if we announced this, but Game Pass, um, EA Play is going to be on Game Pass with no additional charge. So if you have oh, Game, yeah, okay. so, so if you have Game Pass, you get all EA games that are going to be untitled at the end of the year, apparently. That used to mean something, but all EA has that I care about anymore is Star Wars. Hey. Um, Pretty much. Maybe Squadron is going to be on there. I mean, I'm just going to buy Squadrons. I want. I need. I don't want it for Xbox. I need it for PlayStation. I got a VR headset. That some bitch supports VR. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. Um, but... Um, Fuck, where was I going? It's still a really good deal, though. I mean, it's going to include like all their EA Sports titles. I believe so. Yeah, because that's 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 a crazy value right there. Mm-hmm. Um, but like with Bethesda, people are like, oh, you know, Bethesda sucked because of you know Fallout seventy six and all the crazy shit. That to was to be going- fair, they've dropped a lot of balls in the last few years. Yeah, yeah. Plus, people are getting tired of them not making new games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> The only they, they keep releasing like glitchy nonsense. Fallout seventy six was a thing, and they have a really nasty history of always wanting to um, innovate in the DLC uh, pay to play space. They keep wanting to charge people for mods. That they don't forget horse armor. That was them. Mm-hmm. That was the so, story of all this mess. So I mean, there's a lot of there's, they've they've tried several times to like make it the norm that oh you're gonna have to pay us extra money for blank but they're also joining microsoft which parents which which all of a sudden now they're all you know pro-consumer um and there's something else to remember here like a lot of things that i don't see people discussing but it's in all the headlines microsoft bought bethesda that means these games are going to be an xbox and pc mm-hmm 
So, I mean, if you don't want an Xbox, you still don't need one. Yep. And another accusation from this Bethesda deal is that they have control of id uh, id's engine now. The that new was the- yeah. Accusations are not proof, Dubs. Yeah, I know. Fuck, fuck off. <laughs> uh, but they have the id engine, uh, which apparently is amazing. So I am excited uh, as a Microsoft uh, fanboy. I guess I, I wouldn't call myself a fanboy because I bought both the PlayStation Five. You can have a favorite, and you don't have to be a zealot about it. Like, I've always kind of been that way with Nintendo. It's not like I'm going to, like, argue with some fat idiot at GameStop about why Nintendo's the best. Mm -hmm. But, you know, if a game came out on all three systems, I'd get it on the Switch. You know, it's it's that kind of thing. So I just, I give them a little bit of an extra. I I just don't want to hear anymore that Xbox has no games, because now they literally (laughs) have EA, EA Bethesda, and they're 22 first party games that they're working on apparently so apparently. yeah they uh they they still get to release all that shit for playstation though and that's gonna be interesting though if everyone will recall there is a precedent set for this because microsoft bought mojang so that's interesting yeah if you, if you look at what has happened with minecraft since then oh and apparently rumors are phil spencer said they're not done buying studios buy konami for fuck's sake oh my god please (laughs) if they Uh, bought konami i'd buy an xbox apparently apparently you know it's around the corner in about a couple of days the tokyo game show yeah tgs and that's right you're right and phil spencer has been visiting japan lately so my konami oh please that'd be great so the, (laughs) the rumors the rumors are konami and Sega. Uh, maybe. If they got Sega, they'd get Atlas too, and that would be a huge get because they would immediately have a great crop of RPGs. Well, yeah. they'd also get Sega. Maybe they could get them. To, they've been doing better about this. They pull their heads out of their asses about the rest of their IP, though. Yeah. They're sitting mm-hmm. on so much IP that still I, they don't utilize. I'm just yeah. going to say this, and I, you guys could call me out because I was really flip-flop. I was down a little bit you know, the past couple of weeks of, of what was going on, uh, of like nobody talking. Microsoft is unloading. Uh and I'm getting excited. Yeah, and I'm getting excited. Um and I will say I guess we'll we'll transition into the pre order situation. Um which is fucked. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember when I told as someone who doesn't give a goddamn about buying either of these things, let me just say it's been a great time. <laughs> it's so nice for a change to not care about this thing. Like, I, usually it's like, I need to get the new Amiibo, the new Nintendo game, the new piece of shit. I don't I don't. Who cares? And I'm always like, God damn it, I can't get the thing I want. I'm going to have to use, like, these trackers and stuff. But it is so nice to just sit back and watch this, this fucking garbage fire. So... Um, I, the only, if you guys remember last week, I was on the fence to be like, you know what? I could wait. <laughs> and then all of a sudden my brother's like, Hey, I just, I just pre-ordered a PlayStation five. And he's like, I want to play because me and my brother don't live together anymore. So I want to connect with my brother. And he, he likes Sony more, a little more than Xbox. So he conned me into getting PlayStation five. Let's talk about the PlayStation five situation first. How'd you even pre-order one? What? How did I do it? PlayStation 5. Like, 
Everyone said, oh, they went up in the middle of the night. I didn't get one. They lied to me. So Sony had their thing on Wednesday of last week uh, about all their games that are coming out uh, and the price eventually. Uh, <laughs> and at the end, uh, it, it, it wasn't even in the video. They're just like, "It's here's the price. It's coming out. Jeff Keighley said it on Twitter. That was the first time anyone heard it. Like, does Jeff Keighley work for fucking Sony now? Sony's... Why did he have to do it? Sony, you have to tell us. Yeah. And then right after that tweet, Walmart broke street date. And because Walmart oh. broke street date, every other retail had to, you know, you know, open up their pre-orders because. I don't understand that. Um, why did they have to? They oh Walmart did it. We got to do it. We're not going to get all these pre-orders in. Yes, you are. There's a limited amount. You know that. Why did they do it early? That doesn't make any sense to me. I I agree with you because Xbox did something where they told everybody to wait until the 22nd at a certain time, and they did do that. I don't understand why Sony and I think Sony probably did it. Uh, and here's here's my thing. So PlayStation 5, yeah, it did launch without telling people what time and everything. And I got a PlayStation 5, I want to say within an hour. Um, I woke up real early for, for, for today to get ready. I had all my thing. I had all my Walmarts. I had my Amazons. I had my Targets up. I was ready. All I had to do was click a button because I was signed into my account. Literally, when it hit 11 o'clock a.m., all the sites crashed. Uh, <laughs> so my thing is, I think by setting a time and date, they gave a time and date for all the scalpers to do their bots to pretty much say, hey, they're doing it at 11 a.m. Let me do it at 11 a.m. And boom. The only two uh, retailers that waited was Best Buy and Amazon. And that's how I got my two Xbox Series X on Amazon and Best Buy. The reason why I got two is because just in case Amazon goes, well, fuck you. You know, we, we just took too many orders and we're going to have to let you yours go. You I just wanted to make sure someone else couldn't get one. We know how it is. That too. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to fucking charge it on eBay for $1,500 on November 10th. There is brother capitalism. Um, But yeah, it's, it, it's a mess. And I, I know I keep on saying this and I know I flip flopping, but I think this is the last generation I'm going to... Because it was very stressful. This was the most stressful pre-ordering of a console i ever done in my entire entire life. It but, wasn't for me. Well, yeah, because you didn't, you didn't do it. I yeah. got, all you got to do is not do it. Yeah. Every, every once in a while, I get, like that, I get a mini shot of that stress because it's like I want to get something from Limited Run or Data Discs or, or fucking Analog or something like that. Mm -hmm. But I don't miss this the big stuff. No. And well, the, uh, this coming thing, from someone who got a Switch launch day, I remember it being a little stressful, but it wasn't a huge fiasco. What? Because no about, one believed in the Switch yet. Sorry. The thing about that stuff, though, is you know, it's eventually it's going to come back around. You're going to get another chance. On all that other shit that you just mentioned, you're not most likely going to get another chance. That's a good point. It's mm -hmm. one and done usually. So yeah, I, yeah, there's going to be more PlayStations and Xboxes. Yeah. It's sure. it's actually more stressful to pre-order that shit. Yeah. And I got mad about the 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 analog, uh, the mini or whatever it is, the little handheld. I'm still mad. Now, there about will that be shit. more of those. Analog always makes extra waves. It's just, I mean, the those pre-orders don't even come out till next year, so who knows when that wave will be? But eh, it's fine. It's fine. I'm still mad. I uh, um, 
the guy who made the GBA consoleizer, you might have heard of it in like retro gaming circles. He has designed a consoleizer for the Game Gear, which I'm going to buy. And after that, uh, I I don't need an analog pocket quite as much. I just need like a Neo Geo situation. And honestly, I could probably skip it. Oh man, you're gonna have to link me that because uh, that would actually eradicate my need for that thing. <laughs> <laughs> honestly, I just have to find a Game Gear. Yeah, I mean, you can get busted ones on eBay all day long, so. Mm-hmm. All right, so I got one more quick news I want to kind of rant about. So, <laughs> um, WWE, um, I know we have a getting some color podcast, but this is kind of a quick and stupid. And do you remember when uh, we mentioned that there was kind of like an Antifa group that was going around, like, wrecking the, the ring and stuff and, like, terrifying people? Vaguely. So, yeah, there was a group called Retribution where they were acting like Antifa and destroying shit. And finally they got revealed because they were just like, who are these people for about a month? Uh, So they revealed. um, They all have, like, Bane mask on. Um, Mojo Raleigh, I think, is, like, the head guy. Um, So... Andy probably doesn't even know who that is. uh, So... (laughs) Here are the names, uh, Slapjack, um, T-Bar, Mace, (laughs) and and there's two females I don't think they named yet. I don't think they said anything. They're called females. Yeah. (laughs) No, that 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 part makes sense, yeah. (laughs) But, god damn it, and apparently there's rumors that people were laughing in the backstage when they got revealed, uh... It's really goofy, really stupid. I guarantee you that Vince McMahon probably watched, you know, The Dark Knight Rises. And he's like, let's have these guys be Retribution, yeah. And uh, out came Retribution with Bane Mask. Oh, my God. And I think it's terrible. It's already shit in the bed, so whatever. These guys are up shit creek with no boat. (laughs) Like that's it's they're fucked. Like this push, just just we got an idea for you guys, pal. Is it's they're fucked. There there's no way they're getting this over. Yeah, and that's my news. I just want to rant that it's stupid that you named somebody fucking slapjack, T bar, and fucking mace. Uh, the only slapjack I want to hear about is the one Stevie Ray hits people with <laughs> in the NWO. I don't want to hear some guy called fucking slapjack. Yeah, I don't know why they couldn't just keep their regular names and they're part of this retribution, but fuck off, Vince McMahon. That's all I'm going to say. Um, Is there anything else before we close the show? Judging by the silence, I'm going to go with, no, there's nothing else. Andy had no news? I thought he had news. It was the Bethesda thing. I mean, it's just I'm the one who got to put it in the chat. Usually dubs is Mr. Newsboy, but I think I was like on lunch or something when it happened. I was like, oh, I get to do this one. (laughs) (laughs) All right, guys, if you want to catch more of our podcasts like this one, Big Trouble Podcast, or Getting Some Color, which hopefully will be live and recording on Thursday, which we're going to be doing more. uh, What are we doing? Are we doing WWF now with the Raw? We're doing Raw and Saturday night. Yeah, um, we're finally doing both episodes. And this is going to finish out the month. And then next week, we're going to do another episode where we're going to rank and talk about everything that was good and bad in the month and all that stuff. Yes. 
Um, and then we have the Nemesis Project, which is still slated for a month from today, October 22nd. We will be t discussing the first two uh, books. And when I mean first two, I mean Resident Evil 1 and Resident Evil 2, the game, not the Rebecca one. Um, yeah, I'll fill in the blanks with the other books because I read them all and I've read them all like a dozen times each. So, and I, I am done with them. I just want to do some research as well before I get into it. So that's why we're still slated at 22nd. Uh, but if you want to catch those uh, podcasts, make sure you go to, you know, Spotify, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Red Circle, and type in Nerd Review Network, and, uh, you know, you'll catch it. And also, Accelerated Gamer Episode 1 has been released yesterday, so make sure you listen to that. And, it's out there. Get yeah. It. And Get it in you. Something. I don't know. Catch, catchphrase. Catchphrase we haven't thought of. <laughs> Put it in you. Um, but... Yeah, <laughs> uh but yeah catch those episodes and you know comment on that uh and i'm trying to think what else oh uh andy what's where do you stream shit uh twitch.tv slash cliche mustache the cliche mustache i'm sorry the cliche mustache i've been streaming a lot of mario 64 but for some reason when i stream it like i keep dropping frames and i don't know what's different so i i swear to god every time i get everything perfect something else happens but well, whatever i've also been streaming a lot of warrior lane 3 though so well when i yeah, come on by if you want to see a bunch of nintendo horseshit well when i watched you you just ignored me saying hello but it looked good when yeah because I, I don't like you stay out of my chat <laughs> if you're a cool guy come watch me if you're dubbed stay out yeah um zach what about you are you planning to stream anything i will stream okay um i am <laughs> i'm on twitch.tv slash joe 35 but i'm also playing with the fact that i might i might have something planned i don't know if it's gonna be i keep on saying this every week but either youtube exclusive or twitch exclusive i don't know yet um maybe both i have i have ideas swirling through my head um but i, I i've been playing on joe dubs 35 on tw uh, twitch.tv so keep an eye on that but I guess that's where we'll end it. Uh, remember, Jason Axon, Event Horizon for next week's episode when we're getting into the horror month of October. Oh, my God. They're both in space. I swear to God, I just realized that. <laughs> <laughs> I swear. <laughs> Until next time, everybody. Peace out. Thanks for listening. Bye-bye.